Blog Talk Radio. Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Yes, I'm excited, and yes, Henrik Lundqvist is a Hall of Famer. I don't want to hear any other arguments. End of discussion. Joining me today, Zach Chigger and John Luke Shapiro, as always. And boy, do we have a special, special show lined up for you guys today. Ron Dugay joins the show. Just in a few minutes, he will be on the phone live talking to us about everything regarding the team this season. Boys, I'm excited. How are you both doing? Great, Russ. JL, how are you guys? Gentlemen, I am fantastic. I am stupid excited about tonight. It's been a very good last couple of weeks in Rangerstown. And this podcast is going to just add to that. So let's get it going, boys. Yeah. Let's get it going. That's right. And we got the Rangers and Sens tonight at 730, of course. Of course, we're hoping for a big win. I think the boys can pull it out. So let's jump right into this. Before Ron gets on the phone, what will be the fate of Matt Zuccarello? Today, Rangers Twitter was kind of on fire. The Rangers world was kind of dumped on its head a little bit because Matt Zuccarello has, uh, or his announcement per se has been making waves within the hockey community about saying he's kind of waiting to be traded, which is kind of scary because, you know, we knew, we knew it was coming. We all kind of had this feeling that Zuccarello kind of, this would be his last season here, but to hear the guy come out and flat out kind of say that he's waiting for it. And he sounds, he seems to get a little down about it. It's kind of scary. And it's making me a little upset because we're all going to miss the guy when he goes jail, man, it's one hurts, but we, you know, we, we all did see it coming. What do you think about these new updates about Matt Zuccarello's fate with the Rangers, man? Well, I mean, we kind of all expected it, to be honest. I mean, we kind of figured after they purged most of the roster from last season, you would assume that he would be next on the chopping block. It was pretty much a surprise that he ended up sticking out the season. But if you really think about it, you know, you can kind of understand where he's coming from with those thoughts because, you know, he sees all of his friends get traded and he's obviously next on the chopping block. He's been through three coaches and a couple of different system changes and whatever. So you think he's getting up there in age. He sees the writing on the wall. And and to the people that saw what was said on Twitter, there's a lot of confusion going on this morning. Look, he doesn't want to get traded. He actually wants to play here. But the thing is, is that, you know, the direction the Rangers are going and what Matt Zuccarello wants are two different things. Do I want to see him stay? Of course I do. I want him to be the captain. I've, I've pretty much followed this guy since the Olympics in 2010, like many of uh, our listeners and many of you, you guys too. So, you know what? If it doesn't align, it'll be sad. But you know what? Things like this happen in hockey all the time. And, you know, if he goes sooner rather than later, I'll be sad. If he leaves, regardless, I'll be sad. But you know what? Now that we kind of know this and maybe something will come from this in terms of the Gordon camp trying to get him to move, you know what? 
let's just appreciate him while he's here. And then when he goes and then if he comes back, we'll, we'll do the tribute. We'll all cry our tears and, you know, we'll enjoy that Matt Zuccarello gave this team a lot of good years. I couldn't agree more. He's been such a warrior, such a fighter, such a spark plug for this team for so many years now. I love the guy. And I hope wherever he does eventually end up, he finds success. Zach, same to you, buddy. I mean, you know, <sighs> Matt Zuccarello, he's like, the, he's one of the heartbeats of this team. That's going to be kind of upsetting when he goes, but you know, all this news coming out, what do you make of this? And do you think a move is, uh, I wouldn't say eminent, but do you think we're, I'd say maybe a few weeks to a month away from a move? I, I, I don't think, well, first of all, right now there's really not a ton of value for him being with him being injured. So you're not going to see any deal, any potential deal happen until he gets back on the ice and starts uh, playing at that level we've all come to know and love. But, you know, the the only other thing I was thinking with this was you don't really hear athletes come out and say, I know I'm getting traded, right? You hear of guys asking for trades. You hear of guys, you know, hinting at it. You know, sometimes it comes out through the grapevine, but Zuccarello actually said, no, I, I know that there's a very good chance I'll be traded. And I think that's kind of what took everyone by surprise was that he admitted it and that he came to that sort of self-realization. Look, we all said before the season that Zuccarello was going to be one of the first names to be floated out there as a trade candidate along with Kevin Hayes, being that both guys were in – in Hayes's case, a one-year deal, or in Zuccarello's case, the final year of his contract. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, a guy coming out and saying that publicly. I think he know, I, he obviously knows that. The fans know that. The management, I'm sure, knows that as well. So time will tell how it all plays out. But you know, the other thing that Zuccarello said in that uh, in that article was that he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, should even if he wants to stay with the Rangers and, and hope that happens with the Rangers, his career is coming, whether he's going to admit it or not, his career is starting to turn toward the, uh, the latter stages. And if he really wants to win a Cup, he's got to uh, find the contender and find one fast. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said before, we're all hoping that wherever he does go, he finds success success because he's someone we all really want to see succeed in this league. And I'd love to see Zook get a cup somewhere. Just the same as, you know, we'd love to see Hank if it was Hank's decision that he wanted to leave. But, of course, he is, in fact, staying. Our second topic of the day, Vitaly Kravtsov. It feels like we always talk about this guy, and I love it because he's always doing awesome stuff. He's always turning heads, and he's turning heads even more now because we have some crazy Vitaly Kravtsov news. Besides just being named to the KHL All-Star Game as an 18-year-old, ridiculous, he has already, through, the, through Tractor's first 30 games of the season, okay, Vitaly Kravtsov has 15 points on 55 goals, which makes for about 27.2% of the team's offense. That means almost 30% of Tractor's offense since the beginning of the season has flowed through an 18-year-old kid in a league where 18-year-old kids don't get playing time. This kid is special, okay? And you know what? I'm eating my crow. I really am. I was not happy with this. But, man, this kid is putting up points and flowing more of the team's offense through him than Artemi Panarin, 
Vladimir Tarasenko and Evgeny Kuznetsov all did in their draft plus one seasons. That is remarkable. Do we have a superstar in our hands? I hope so. Zach, we'll start with you on this one. Vitaly Kravtsov just keeps turning heads, making that pick looking even better day by day. Do you think that Vitaly Kravtsov will make the team next season, or do you think he could even see time with us if Tractor season ends early? in February or March? Well, based on the way Tractor season has gone, their season will be over in February or March. Um, I think they're in the bottom of the of the standings in the KHL right now. So I, I don't think there's any question that Kravtsov has a shot at being at coming over to America when their season ends. The uh, As far as Kravtsov himself, you know, his, his game is – is one of high skill. He reminds me a little bit of Philip Hedl in the sense that um, he's got a great release. He's got uh, quick hands. He can stick handle. And as we've seen, as David Quinn has sort of started to get uh, Hedl to come back and play more D, uh, we've seen a couple times crafts of come back in the, and make defensive plays for Tractor. So you have to like what you've seen. I don't think there's any doubt that his stock within the organization is only going to keep rising. And, you know, 15 points in 30 games doesn't really sound like a whole lot to uh, be proud of. But when you take a look at the grand scheme of things, that he's an 18-year-old, that almost, almost a third of Tractor's offense has come through a has come through a an eighteen year old, you you certainly have to be happy with it. For sure. I mean the KHL is arguably the second best league in the world and it's statistically been a league where young players don't get the time over veterans. And this is someone who's been given an opportunity as a young kid to step into a prime role and he's delivering. He's delivering on a level that, you know, you don't see in players other than superstars in the league. Evgeny Kuznetsov is a first-line center Stanley Cup winning player for the Washington Capitals, okay? And Terry Panarin is someone who everybody wants on this team in the summertime. And Vladimir Tarasenko scores 40 goals a year. If, we, if, if any of that happens with Vitaly Kravtsov, that pick will be a success. JL, man, Vitaly Kravtsov, this is awesome. The Rangers, this, he's got a lot of people thinking we finally have, we have a shot at having a homegrown superstar for once. You know, how excited does this make you that after years of drafting kind of like guys who didn't live up to it or were like, you know, on the fringe that it seems we finally might have hit a diamond? How does it feel for you, buddy? Boys, listen, I'm telling you, every day I refresh Twitter to get disappointed by the Mets. I look at statistics regarding the New York Rangers or I see things about Vitaly Kratsov coming in from Russia. And my gosh. This kid is impressing every single day. You know, you guys hit all the points. He's a young kid playing in a grown man's league. You know, obviously the NHL is a little different, so he may have some growing pains coming here. But, again, he's outscoring what Panarin did. He's outscoring what Tarasenko did. He's pretty much proving to everyone and proving to all the Ranger fans who are skeptical about that pick that this kid is going to be legit. Now, you never know what can happen because hockey's a strange game. But you know what? This kid... If everything projects correctly, I'm telling you, this kid is going to be a star. This kid is going to just dazzle 
us here in New York. And I'm excited, honestly, just thinking about it, just making me excited. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about what number he's going to wear here, what size Kratzoff jersey am I going to buy when he gets here? Because you know what's going to happen. You know, but in, in three more years, I'm going to have a Hedl, Anderson, a Pionk, and a Kratzoff. Trust me, I will waste all my money on that. You know, <laughs> Bills? What are Bills? What the heck? I don't need Bills. I need Rangers jerseys. <laughs> I need the Rangers. But just, that's just, jail. You know, jail, that's what the, that's what the fakes from China are for. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're you're right about that, Zach. Yeah, but you know, just to quickly summarize my point, you know, when was the last time the Rangers had a, a prospect like this? I mean, I know we all had high hopes about you know Duclair, and we all saw how that went. You know, we all had high hopes about Buchnevich, and he's still coming into his own. But it's been a very long time since we've been actually been able to say, my goodness, this guy could actually score forty goals for the Rangers. Was the last time the Last time the Rangers had a 40-goal score. Uh, no, I want to say Gabryk, but someone yeah, who was a lead of talent. Well, Rick Nash, Rick Nash had 42 one year. I believe yeah, Rick Nash yeah, had yeah, 42 for us one year. Yeah. He had 42, I think, his his second or third year here. But yeah. Rick, Nash, Rick Nash was, you know, he wasn't the same player. You know, he was good. He was productive for the team. But, you know, no, no knock to Nash whatsoever. But, you know, we knew what we got when we traded for him. Well, we're, what we're getting in Kratzoff here could pro- pro- propel this guy to maybe Ovechkin levels. I may be overstating the case there, but I'm excited, man. Shoot. Yeah, I'm thrilled. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's something we as Ranger fans haven't had the, the opportunity to be excited about a prospect because we're always going for it, always trying to go over the hump, trading picks, trading prospects. You know, the last prospect I feel like Ranger fans were this excited for was, our, you know, it's, it's crazy to say, but it was another Russian kid, and that was Alexei Sharapanov. And unfortunately, everyone knows what happened with that situation. It was terrible, very upsetting to everyone. And, you know, it's one of the biggest what-ifs in Rangers history about what if Alexei Sharapenov did get over here. And you know what? Now we have this kid in Vitaly Kravtsov, who finally we can put some hope into. You know, he's not a third-round, like, fine. He's not a seventh-round, maybe he'll work out. He's the ninth overall pick in a deep, deep draft that the Rangers brass decided to take a chance on. And this kid is rewarding their faith. A lot, of, a lot of us were upset. A lot of us were upset. And you know what? This is one of those reasons why we're not in the positions that these people are in. They saw something in this kid for what he did in the, in the KHL playoffs. They saw what he did on the way to the final last year. Look, this is a kid who's dynamic. This is a kid who's got hands. This is a kid who's not afraid to snipe the puck. When he gets over here, and arguably this is what I would do, sign him to a, sign him to a pro tryout when he finishes with Tractor in March, get him up here, Put him on the wing in the top six and just let him just play. Let him play and just see what he can do uh, in the last, what, like eight games of the season maybe so we don't burn a year of his contract if they do decide to sign him to an ELC, that is. But I'd say just see what he see what he can do playing with Zibanejad or Hayes or, or Filipino. Just see what goes on in the next season once he gets a full training camp under him. You know, we'll go from there, obviously, with Vitaly Kravtsov. But, man, I haven't been this excited for a Rangers prospect and I don't know how long. And I feel like this is a good point before Ron does join us on the show to just bring up our three first-rounders, okay? We talked about Keandre Miller last week uh, or a few weeks ago. But Keandre Miller is shaping up to be one of uh, probably the steal of that first round. He's already has 11 points for Wisconsin this year. Nils Lundqvist is already putting up points in the SHL. Number one, he's a young defender playing big minutes in one of the best leagues in the world. I really think when we look back on this, Rangers brass did a fantastic job in the first round of the draft. And not to mention another kid, of course, now I'm bringing up a seventh-round steal here. Riley Hughes is playing out of his mind 
for in I believe he's in the I think it's the USA Victoria Grizzlies. Victoria Grizzlies, yeah. Playing out of his Victoria mind. Victoria Grizzlies in the BCHL. BCHL, there we go. Thank you, Zach. But he's been playing extremely well. So I think when we look back on this draft, on the on the uh <clears throat> twenty eighteen NHL draft, the Rangers did a fantastic job. And honestly, Gordy Clark's had some misses, but he hit on a lot of his picks this time. In terms of their development curve, it looks like he really did hit. Um I guess Zach, before uh, Ron does join us here, uh, what you know, a lot of us were down about the draft on draft night and a few days after it. Do you think that you know all its excitement is warranted? Do you, like, I feel like this is a big shift in terms of like recently. I feel like a lot of people have just been very optimistic about our draft. Do you think it's warranted with how all of these prospects have been playing? Considering that it's a rebuild, and considering that. We're seeing guys, you know, we're seeing the organization start to turn over that new leaf. You have to be excited. Um, there's still some guys in Hartford that are rounding out Ryan Lindgren, John Gilmore on defense. Um, Booney Eves is a guy that I've always liked as a bottom six. He would be, for me, the, the perfect fourth-line center for the Rangers going forward. Um, and then you have, you know, Ty Ronning is in Maine right now in the ECHL uh, getting some work in. He had a five-point third period on Saturday night to lead the Mariners to victory, including a hat trick. Um, and then you have all the guys currently with the team, D'Angelo, Pionk, uh, Leas, Phillip, Howden, and then, you know, even some of the quote-unquote veterans, Brady Shea, is a, still a young guy. Um, Mika Zibanejad, Kevin Hayes are still relatively young guys. You know, they've been in the league a little bit longer, but, you know, except for Henrik and Mark Stahl and, and Zook, you aren't really talking about guys who are at the tail ends of their careers or heading to that. So you have to be excited with the way the team is going. They're playing a lot better than I think anyone would have expected, uh, Rangers fans included. And if they're playing this well now with limited talent, so to speak, just wait till all the kids get here and they have even more talent. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to welcome this guest to our show. Someone who loved hearing his analysis Love watching highlights of him play. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to introduce Ron Duguay to the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. Ron, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Hi, it's my pleasure. I don't get to talk hockey as much anymore, so I look forward to not only talking hockey, but whatever's on your mind. Thanks so much. And uh, so, Ron, I'm Russell, and with me today is Zach and John Luke. Say hi, guys. Hey Ron, how are you? Hello, oh, I'm doing well. I'm actually, yeah, hi. I mean, I, I'm actually because uh, I'm based out of Florida. I'm just sitting outside enjoying uh, what is not normal Florida weather, but it's nice and cool. I'm just nice and relaxed and enjoying some time off. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the weather's nicer today than it is right here with the the cold that we've been experiencing. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so to get started here, Ron, once again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of what's going on with the New York Rangers, one question I have for you. During your time in New York, you scored 40 goals, you scored 20 as a rookie, 
you must have some great stories. And first, I want to ask you, uh, what were some of your, who were some of your favorite line mates you played through without your career? And uh, if you have any funny stories with them or some funny stories you'd like to tell from your time in New York, we would love to hear them. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a uh, in-depth question. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my favorite Ranger to play with, that's probably when I look back, was the year that I scored 40 goals and I had the players that were playing with Mark Pavlich. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about Mark because I had showed up. I missed training camp that year because I was playing uh, for Team Canada in the World Championship. It was actually called Canada Cup. So I had missed training camp that season and when Herb Brooks came in. And um, I, had, uh, I had the pleasure of playing for Team Canada, World Championship. Uh, it was probably one of my biggest achievements. It was making that team. And my sentiment there was a guy that uh, – uh, I played against in many uh, tough, hard-played games with uh, Butch Goring. And um, so I had come off a good series there where we end up losing to the Russians. But I showed up uh, where the season was just getting ready to start for Brooks, my new coach. And uh, I was uh, probably in the best shape of my life. And so and, and full of confidence after having made that team. So he gave me Mark Pavlich and not quite sure what that was going to look like. Uh, one of the things that Herb Brooks told me, he says, Ron, with your speed and skill, uh, we're going to allow you to be more free uh, as far as how you're going to play, where I'm not going to have you pinned down to just going up and down the wing, uh, posting up all the time. I want you to just kind of stay in motion, and I'm going to give you this little guy, Mark Pavlich, who's just going to get you the puck. And so that conversation we had and our practices were a lot of fun because there was a lot of motion in practice. And so, which was very different for me, but I loved it. It was very suited for me. I didn't have to uh, stop. I just kept going. And sure enough, right out of the gate, I was in great shape. Mark Pavlov was in great shape. We started scoring goals and we clicked right away. And, and uh, when you're playing on the top line, on the power play, scoring goals, everything was awesome. And of course I'm in New York having a good old time and, uh, I had some great teammates back then. I think Davy Silk spent some time on the left side, another Olympian, and Barry Back and Grash. And we just had a fun team. We had a blast. Um, and so that was a fun year. And when you're winning, uh, it's a lot more enjoyable uh, going to uh, practice every day. And, um, and of course, uh, you've all read the stories about uh, my enjoying the uh, social life also in New York City. So I had to balance both of those. Uh, that one year, it did very well. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, scoring 40 goals in any year is just a huge accomplishment in the NHL, and that's so cool that, you know, I love hearing from players and people who are involved with the league, like the behind-the-scenes stuff of what was going on. So that's really great. Um, so you play with Mark Pavlich, have a great season. Um, I'm sure you had a lot of fun also in the nightlife that season as well. I mean, if there's any, anything, like, anything funny you could tell us about that, I think that would be really cool. Well, I can't really get into details. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> um, this, this is probably my my third year. I'd move into Manhattan, and Donnie Murdoch was my teammate when I first arrived to New York. And Donnie introduced me to Studio 54 in my first season, and so I became a regular there. So on certain nights, uh, if I was in town, I would end up at Studio 54. And and uh, being at Studio 54, not only being there was fun with the music, uh, but a lot of different characters. I met several celebrities. 
and um, and it was very hard to get to bed at a reasonable hour, if you can just imagine. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and and then because I've become a celebrity myself, uh, word would get out that I was there, and I'd be seen with certain other celebrities, female celebrities, and then up in the newspaper. And I think that was one of the things that Herb Brooks kind of uh, um, he, he didn't. Um, he, he didn't appreciate, uh, although I was scoring goals and playing hard and playing well, uh, that was one of the things that kind of bothered him. So occasionally he would bring me in the office and uh, he would talk about me being out and, and such. And uh, not that uh, I felt like it was a big issue, but he would bring it up. So it wasn't until my second season with Herb Brooks where I showed up in training camp after having scored 40 goals that um, Herbie started to uh, get on me about being more disciplined and uh, and so in my second year with Herb Brooks which would have been my sixth year in as a New York Ranger uh, he started to uh, take away some of my ice time if I struggled a little bit he would look for opportunities to take away for my ice time and so it, it really it started to catch up to me where uh, Herb Brooks wasn't appreciating who I was as a complete person and player and um, as far as fun things, uh, uh, small fun things, it was just every day was fun. I mean, I love being a New York Ranger. I love going to the garden. I love my teammates. Uh, when we were home in New York, would be the, some of the single guys would be going out. Um, and then when we were on the road, we, we, the, one of the reasons why we were so successful is that we went out as one. And uh, if we decided we were going out one place, everyone was there. It wasn't, uh, it, we weren't split up and we enjoyed each other's company. Uh, going back to, uh, I think it was 79, the year we went to the finals. One of the years we won, one of the reasons we went to the finals, not that the, we are a great team. We were just a team that battled for each other because we became close. We were like brothers and Phil Esposito being the dad of the team. He liked to have as much fun as the young guys. And, uh, and so uh, it was a, a lot has a lot, a lot has to be said about the character of the team and allowing players to get close and having a good time. So, and that involved, uh, uh, you know, just uh, socially having a lot of fun, you know, which meant having a lot of uh, adult beverages after the game. And, uh, <laughs> but for the, for the most part, we, uh, we kept ourselves out of trouble. Uh, there wasn't as many eyes on us back then as there is now. So we we uh, we got away with stuff, and again, there's there are things that I'm I'm not going to really share with others. But uh, you, <laughs> of course, uh, I think the book on thin ice is it on thin ice? The book on thin ice that Larry Ratso wrote about uh, that team that year. There's a lot of things in there that you can read about. Great. So uh, I, Ron, I I had a, I personally had an in, internal clock that I knew because I had pretty good upbringing in Canada that I knew. I could have fun, but, but stay out of trouble. And I pretty mm-hmm. well stayed out of trouble. There were some late nights. There were nights where actually we, myself, Donnie Murdoch, we would go right from the party to practice. It, well, we pulled <laughs> some all nighters. And back, back then you can get away with it because practice is not like the way practice is today. Today's practice, you're going a hundred miles an hour. Back mm-hmm. then we were pretty casual. Even the coaches were going out. So, they would show up to practice for a little hungover and, and well, we're having a short <laughs> practice today, guys. <laughs> so and, that, and I'm referring yeah. to, I'm referring to Freddie Shiro. Freddie Shiro yeah. was one that, uh, 
Uh, they called, they, they kind of refer to him as being in the fog. Well, he wasn't so much he was in the fog. He was just hung over. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's really funny to know. <laughs> so, Ron, one final question from me before we get into the nitty-grittiness of the Rangers going on today. Uh, Sunday night's going to be a special night in the Garden. Vic Hadfield's number is getting retired by the team. Um, I was wondering if we could just get your thoughts on Vic, the kind of guy he is, and what just kind of interactions you've had with him over the years. Yeah, as alumni, uh, I've, I've shared a lot of time with him. You know, some of the golf events or just spending time with him at uh, at Madison Square Garden. And uh, he's all of what people say he is. He's he's a big, gentle Ben. Uh, not that his name is Ben, but you refer to him as a gentle guy. Uh, very classy man, very personable guy. He's very old school, as he is old school. Like a lot of guys, uh, they uh, they show up at Madison Square Garden. They're so appreciative of, of being honored there, as the Rangers do. Uh, they really do well with taking care of their alumni. So being around him is has been nothing short of good stuff. I love when these older guys share their stories because their stories are different than our stories. Every generation's stories are different. And uh, I, it was just a pleasure being around him. So a classy, good man. It's good to see that he's being honored. All right, so, Ryan, this is Zach. First of all, thank you for uh, interacting with me on Twitter and uh, agreeing to come on. Um, you know, I know that this year, unfortunately, you're not as close to the team as you have been in previous years. But from, uh, from what you've seen so far with David Quinn, how do you think his uh, his coaching style has really affected some of the guys that maybe under AV were a little bit slower or a little bit um, that you could tell that they were taking shifts off? You know, in my mind, it's guys like Kreider and Kevin Hayes who have really seen some of the biggest impact from David Quinn's coaching style. Yeah, well, just so you know, I've watched carefully. I, I, I'm watching the games now as much as I was as I was doing TV. Uh, so, and I, I'm able to, from a distance, uh, see, um, um, identify little things, whether it's on a player or on a coach. I don't have to be right next to them to see it. I can, I can just see it because of my eyes. I've been trained to see things. And, uh, and I've coached. I've been in the coaching business. I've coached youth hockey for a long time, and then I did professional hockey for four years, and I actually won a championship at the minor league level. And so I can identify on players what's the small detail stuff, and that's why I was an analyst, and that I can identify things with a coach. And through my eyes, and sometimes I, I do this at fault, the game is not that complicated to me. The way the game is played, they make it sound more complicated than what it is when they talk about systems and this and that, and a player comes to a team, oh, it may take them a month to figure things out, and it's like, no, it's not that freaking complicated. So having said that, um, uh, um, as far as David Quinn, I like this guy because of his temperament. I like how he... Uh, he's very much a student of the game where he's more of a teacher. Often you'll get a head coach that is really good at being a, um, has strong leadership qualities, but he's not so much um, 
a, uh, a technical type of guy, be able to identify small things in players and be able to help with them on a daily basis, like in practice or, on, or watching film. They're more uh, like Coach Vigneault. I think he was more a guy that was able to make decisions, and he would assign stuff to assistant coaches where go work with him. Like go work with that D. He needs this and needs that. Where Coach Quinn, he's more hands-on. And that's what I like about this guy, whether it's a defenseman or a forward, he's able to speak to them. He's able to see them, see things. He's able to identify things and then able to fix it himself, right? He's not necessarily relying on his assistant coaches, which are there to help him, but he's very hands-on and he has a, a certain tone, a certain way to speak to a player where it's not yelling at a player it's speaking to a player. It's talking to a guy. There are times where you raise your voice and there are times you keep your voice soft. And so the good coaches know how to uh, and know when to say something at the right time. Sometimes you got to wait till after a game and talk to a player or other times you got to pull them aside in the, between periods. It's having those um, qualities about yourself that makes you a good coach. And um, what I like about him is that he decided after watching the Rangers play in the past previous years that they weren't playing, they weren't intimidating, they weren't physical enough, they're not playing hard enough, right? They're just playing the game. They may be playing hard, they look like they're skating hard, but are they hard to play against? I've always, I didn't want to say this too much on the air. I just felt like the Rangers were too soft, too easy to play against. They're not intimidating at all to play against. Like, I can't imagine every team in the NHL was, oh, we're playing the Rangers tonight. Yeah, they may skate hard and, you know, they may be a scoring threat, but are they intimidating to play against? No, they're not. And so he felt like he needed to change the culture, which I think he has somewhat. He still doesn't have those type of players, which I think eventually he will. But he decided to make his team harder to play against physically in front of the net, protecting your goaltender. He's got them thinking, you come near your goaltender. Anyone comes near your goaltender is like coming near your mom in the kitchen. Like they don't mess with your freaking goaltender. So you have to be tougher. You got to be a little more mean. And uh, so he's established that we're seeing that. And, uh, and then there's a level of being consistent regardless of who you are. You're going to have maybe, depending on who you are, going to have 20 minutes, 12 minutes, 8 minutes. Whatever those minutes are, they have to be the best minutes. You cannot show up and think you're not going to give your best. If you don't feel well tonight, make your shifts 30 seconds versus 40 seconds. Whatever it is, you're going to go all out. And if you can't do that, I'll find someone else to do it because we're not the type of team that we can take a shift off. Everyone has to play hard. You got to be consistent. You got to be focused. You can't be casual. You got to play with a little bit of um, grit inside of you. So that's the culture. That's the environment that he has created. And I think that uh, along with some systems, of course, how to how to um, on your forecheck and how you're going to defend and all that. Those are all good stuff. And the power play has been pretty good and penalty kill. So uh, he has his systems in play. But more than anything else. It's the character of the team. We need to be harder to play against. Hey, Ron, uh, it's JL here. First of all, we really appreciate you coming on. And I wanted to ask you, you know, adding to what you were saying, you know, you talk about how things have changed with Coach Quinn here. Now, obviously, when he was introduced to you, you said, you know, you said it yourself that he wanted to bring a more 
fast, physical, and relentless style to this team. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of players were being held in check. Now, do you think that with his style in terms of younger players, they hired him to be a, uh, a developmental coach. Do you think that this style can not only show itself on the ice consistently, but it could sustain itself for a long period of time? Because you said it yourself. He has the character. He's up front. He seems to be more direct with his players. Do you think that the way this fast, physical, and relentless style, do you think that it will continue to show itself on the ice? And do you think it could potentially sustain itself while this team is on a rebuild? Well, I don't see why not. He's allowing the players um, not only to uh, have fun. I think it's a fun environment. And if players aren't having fun playing that way, be competitive, be physical, hit someone, get hit. If you're not enjoying that, if you don't get that, if you don't like that, if you don't get the coach, if you don't respect that way of playing, then you, they're going to need to find another player. So I, uh, from what I'm seeing from the younger players, I think that they're, uh, they're enjoying that style and they're understanding that they can't take a shift off. So in that environment, it's a, it's a good environment to, um, to improve. If you really uh, take care of yourself and you show up to play hard and you know that you're going to get rewarded by playing hard with this coach, I would love that environment. I would love to play for this guy. And he, um, and if the one thing I like that he's done, if, if a younger player makes a mistake, that it's not like he feels like he's got a bench him. You'll probably have a talk with him, and he'll throw him right back out there. Now, if you continue to make the same mistake, of course, he'll pull you off. But I've seen in more than one occasion where a player, a young player, has made a mistake that would be hurtful to himself, where he feels bad, where the coach is not coming down on him. He may just have a chat with him, but he'll throw him back out. So it's a good environment for the players to, to feel like um, if they're, they'll get rewarded by playing hard. And, uh, and it doesn't get much better than that. If you're really the player that they want, then I think these, this team, along with the leadership from the older players, Kevin Hayes and Kreider and, and Zuccarello, and uh, those are all good guys, right? So it's a likable environment. So there's no reason for these guys not to continue to get better. And you can see it in them because, uh, like, Heedle, big guy, big kid, long reach, good speed, good skater. And you saw what happened to him. Everyone was wondering, wow, is it going to work with him? Because he hasn't scored a goal yet. All I kept saying is just let him score one. Let him score one, he scores two. And all of a sudden, then he becomes a different player because a lot more relaxed, feeling more confident. Then he scores five in five games. Now he's at a good place. But then they went on the road and they struggled a little bit for two games, right? They lost two games. And that's when I said, let's see what he does here in an environment. It was Philadelphia where it's going to be a little harder. And he's, uh, you know, he has some confidence. How is he good? Is he going to be able to maintain it, right? And I think that was a learning curve for him. He, went, he had two games there where you didn't really notice him. And, um, and so that's where he needs to know that there are games where things aren't, you're not going to get the bounces, but you got to find a way to be noticeable on the ice. What is it that you can do to be noticeable? You can be skating around and looking like you're playing hard, but what is it that you're going to do if, if things aren't bouncing right? Well, the thing you can do is go run into somebody, get physical, get emotional, get passionate. So that's the type of thing that you got to find a way every single game that at the end of the game, 
the coach, the coach will say, you know what? He didn't get with good bounces, but boy, was he noticeable out there. He did this, he did this, and he did this. He may not have scored, but he was noticeable. And that's what I tell. When I'm coaching, I tell my players, at the end of this game, I want you to be noticeable. You may not have played your best game, but I want you to be noticeable. How are you going to do that? Find a way. I love that sentiment, and I'm glad you brought up Filipino because you are absolutely right. He got one, and then the floodgates kind of opened. So especially with this season, you know, they're rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it. They've been implementing a lot of young guys into the lineup. Uh, Brett Howden, Leah Sanderson, Neil Pionk, and Tony D'Angelo, the ones that stick out in my head. So, Ron, from what you've yeah. seen, uh, Brett Howden and Leah Sanderson especially here, although I do want to get your thoughts on the defense as well, how have you liked what you've seen from these young kids who have stepped in and they're filling roles already? And in Brett Howden's case, he's worked himself up to a top six role for about half the games. Yeah, it, it's just a lot of it is that is that consistent work ethic and it's composure also during uh, in, in tight situations where like the coaches use them and at uh, there are certain times where important uh, important minutes during a game and they've used them because they feel like he's got good composure with the puck. He doesn't panic with the puck. And that's really important for a young player to be able to kind of see yourself um, doing the same things as you did, whether you're at the college level, important minutes or playing major junior hockey in important minutes is basically the same thing, but the pace is a little bit faster. So, um, so I think what the coaches see in these guys that they're, they have good composure with the puck. What is it that you do with the puck? What is it that you do? How do you position yourself when you don't have the puck? How do you think the game? What's your hockey IQ? So I think they have high hockey IQ, every single one of them. And I really like Pionk, the way he's managed the puck on back on D. Um, he's, been, uh, he's been a really bright light back there because you're always needing guys that can skate the puck up the ice or just make a good play. So a lot of it is um, composure. Are you a threat? Do you panic with the puck? Uh, do you get rid of it at times where you should get rid of it, where you're feeling pressure? Or it's sometimes you need to hold on to it, like Kevin Hayes. Sometimes he holds on to it nicely. Other times a little too long. But knowing how to manage the puck, and I think that's what you're seeing out of these guys, um, playing the game at a fast pace at the highest level in the world. So going from the young guys to the uh... – to the elder statesman on the team and Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, what have you seen from him that he's kind of, you know, turned back the clock this season? And uh, how do you think he's embracing that a newer role of, of being, he's always been a leader in the locker room, but as being the guy that's going to have to teach some of the young defensemen, you know, what he expects of them and, and how to kind of play the game in front of, in front of an NHL goaltender. Well, I would say there's no teaching whatsoever. <laughs> you're a goaltender, you're a goaltender. Your job is to stop the puck. Uh, if anything, you want to, uh, and sometimes he's, a, he's at fault here, where you've got to be constantly encouraging your defense because sometimes you have your defense make a mistake and there's a goal, and I don't necessarily like his response sometimes because there's a finger-pointing sort of thing. But I think he's come in, and that's where I've had problems with him. I love his compete level. I love that he hates to lose. But you've got to be a team guy. And if someone makes a mistake in front of you, you've got to be supportive of that guy because that's the guy that's going to block a shot for you. So I think he's changed his attitude a little bit where he's understanding this year it might, it, it might be a year where a lot's going to be 
depending on him and how he plays, especially early on in the season. And I think his mindset was uh, much better, showed up in great uh, shape. He had some good games, and I think he's built this confidence up. But more than anything else, when you talk about being a good guy in the dressing room, good guy on the ice, you've got to be supportive of guys who make some mistakes in front of you. Sometimes I would love for him to see – I would love for him to – see him pat a guy on the back where he might have made a mistake right just to be encouraging because it it, it's got to be about the team all the time so I've had issues with him Um, although I love his compete level I've had issues with him where sometimes he's just when you watch his body language when there's a goal score and he feels like uh, it was someone else's fault it's not always really good so uh, I think he's relaxed some and I would say to him, you just got to come out, just be your, be the best you can be, but you got to have some fun. You just got to go and have fun. That now, might not going, be the answer you're looking. That might not be the answer you're looking for. <laughs> I'm well, looking if, for if, any answer you give, Ron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, moving on from Henrik, because you know, if there's one thing about Henrik that we can all agree upon is that he is the you know solid foundation of this team. And moving from the solid foundation of this team to players who aren't exactly, you know, locked in long-term yet. You know, you look at right now, we're pending free agents. Rangers are going to have a lot of cap uh, for this upcoming summer. So you have Kevin Hayes, who obviously signed that one season deal. The Rangers wanted to see how he was going to do, obviously. And then you have uh, Neil Pionk, uh, Tony D'Angelo, and Pavel Buchnevich, all restricted free agents. Now, Knowing the Rangers, they tend to kind of, you know, drag it along a little bit when it comes to their RFA, but at the end of the day, they either tend to sign them to a good risk deal or give them a nice contract. So that being said, do you think the Rangers should trade Hayes or keep him? Because he's playing very well right now. Again, it was mentioned earlier in, in this podcast that he's not exactly the oldest guy in the world. And with Pionk, D'Angelo, and Buchnevich becoming RFAs, you know, the Rangers have a plethora of youth in the system. Do you think they should keep all three? Or do you think maybe they could ship one or two or maybe all three off for maybe current or future assets? Right. Well, that, that whole uh, who do you keep and um, who do you trade, uh, it's, it's, it's complicated because it's, as a general manager, it's, everything is based off salaries, right? What can you afford? What can you afford? What's missing? What's our strengths? What's our weaknesses? And so it's, it's a whole uh, big project uh, that it sometimes it can be difficult unless something is obvious, then you make that move. But with Kevin Hayes, the way he's playing and the way he keeps improving every year and the way he's committed to being the best that he could be as far as his training in the summertime, it's hard to get a guy who's 6'5", who's a centerman, who can win faceoffs, handle the puck, score some goals, and he's a likable guy. So I wouldn't be too quick on moving him. I, I, would, I like the fact that he could be – because I, I think the Rangers aren't that far away from being a really good team within the next three years. And so Kevin Hayes got a lot of hockey in him for the next three years. So I would not move him. Uh, it would be hard to replace. Um, other guys are a little more replaceable. Busnevich, um, he we saw some signs of him where he's a threat, scoring threat. But this year he saw where he lost some of ice time because he wasn't so um, uh, committed to playing hard. Not as many stops and starts, getting physical, going hard to the net. And so he got some ice time pulled. In fact, he sat that one game. Uh, and so with him, it depends on what he's going to be like when he comes off of uh, his uh, injury. Um, and then the other guys, other guys are a little more replaceable. 
but a guy like Kevin Hayes is not. So, um, so you got to be careful when you start moving players, uh, you know, with trying to uh, – you're thinking you're going to improve the team. And some guys are just good character guys. Some guys are good in the dress room. So um, you don't want to move a player just for the sake of moving players. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point to take with that because you never know what you're going to get back and you're trading a proven asset. And, you know, speaking of character guys, you know, some reports came out today about Matt Zuccarello and kind of some comments he made about potentially being moved. And, you know, Ron, it's tough when anyone has to deal with trade rumors. I'm sure it weighs on someone as they're, you know, they say they keep it out of their mind and they're just playing the game, but I'm sure it weighs on them. And, you know, how do you think Matt Zuccarello is kind of dealing with all this right now, especially because he's on the, he's currently dealing with an injury. And, you know, if it does come to that and he is traded, you know, what do you think someone like that could bring back? Uh, well, it's, um, once you, um, once you're part of an organization, a part of a team that you really, really like, and you have a family, you don't want to move, then yeah, you, it, it becomes something no matter, see some things money won't buy. And when you're happy with something, uh, just thinking that, okay, I may get traded and I'll, you know, I'm still getting my dollars and cents and uh, on another team, but, uh, leaving New York, it's hard because I left New York and it was hard. I ended up in Detroit and it's hard to replace that. So I, I'm sure for him, he's thinking about it and what, you know, kind of what makes it worse is on, you know, being hurt and he hasn't been himself this year. He's been okay. Um, so you start thinking about it and uh, you start preparing for it in, in case it happens. So if anything, it should, it should push him to be the best that he can be. And that's possibly why he came back too soon. He wanted to get back on the ice and uh and be part of the winning team and so um it's uh i the, the thing with zuki he, he's he's uh he's a character guy and again you talk about character and you got to be careful on training a player that you think on paper might be okay like for zuki he's you know to me he's he's um he's probably he's a solid second round pick like if you were to trade him Plato, is he a first? Would someone trade to get him? Would you trade uh, and get a first rounder? I, I don't know if he's a first rounder, uh, but I can see him being traded for like a second round pick and possibly a, a player. I don't think it would be enough there. It only the only reason they would trade him is that they felt like they were getting ready to get rid of some salary and they had an opportunity to get another player, maybe in a different position. They felt like they can get a good top four defenseman with trading Zook um, and something else, of course, then maybe they would do it. But um, you got to be careful on those, on those, those character type likable guys on your team to just move them for the sake of moving them. I, I like Zook and I think he's got a, a good, another good three solid years in him. And, um, but for general managers, they look at their puzzle and it's like salary, right? We got a salary cap and we got a, we got to try to put the best team together according to what we have in the bank. And, uh, and so if you're looking to get another, if there's a guy you're looking at and you're like, well, we can't afford them. How do we get them? Right. So you say, okay, well, if we move this, we do this and we do that, then we can afford them. So those yeah, are things that get, that get a little bit complicated. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Ron, I had one, I guess, final question for you here while you're with us. You know, uh, before when David Quinn was named coach, one of the few things people were talking about that he's going to have to do since Ryan McDonough was traded at the deadline is eventually name a new captain of the team. Now, do you think there is someone who has stood out for you this season, 
someone that's looked like a leader, someone that's looked like they could attain that role? Or do you think that the right person hasn't shown, uh, hasn't shown it yet? Uh, I, I think that, uh, it's not obvious to me who's who, who, who I would uh, choose as a, cause I'm not in the dressing room. I'm not with the guys all the time. It's, right, it doesn't yeah. come obvious to me, but if, if anyone, I think Zuccarello, because, uh, he's a fan favorite. He plays hard. He's consistent. What he's like in the dressing room. I don't know what he's like on the road how he treats everyone. Does he treat everyone equally? I, I'm, I'm assuming he does, uh, uh, you know, because the captain is not just what you see on the ice. It, a lot of it is what you don't see off the ice. And so I'm assuming that Zook would be a good captain. Ron, so, thank you so much for, uh, for – oh, oh, Zach, you have another question. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I got one more. One more, Ron. So, <laughs> okay, last one. So, last Ron, one, I got to go. What? Yeah, so last one. Uh, so the Rangers are going with uh, seven defensemen tonight, which uh, came out as we've been on the air. So on a normal night, though, when the team has uh, a healthy lineup and, and uh, is playing 12 forwards, the Rangers have seven D right now that they've kind of been rotating all season. Do you have in your mind a clear six that should start on a nightly basis and then there's a seventh guy that rotates in every now and then? Or or do you think David Quinn's kind of doing the right thing here by rotating guys in based on, you know, a poor performance, you know, night, yeah. a poor, poor performance yeah. from one guy, and then he comes out and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think he's uh, generally happy with all his defensemen, and some aren't as consistent as the others. So done is he created an environment where they're fighting for their ice time. And I don't mind that. Like a guy like a Smith, you you just don't know what what you're going to get out of him from one game to another, and uh, stahl has been very consistent. Uh, Pionk's been consistent. Uh, even Brady Shea, for whatever reason, he has not looked comfortable. He looks almost uh, sluggish, a little bit tired, not always making a good decision with the puck. Uh, sometimes he's guilty of trying too hard, trying to do too much. And so I think that what he's telling you is that uh, with seven guys there, he's going with the best six or the best five guys. And so I, I kind of understand what he's doing. Great. And Ron, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We appreciate your time and hopefully we'll talk to you on Twitter again soon. Okay. All the best later. You too. Bye. Have a great night. Thanks, Thanks Ron. Ron. Guys, I have to say, I always love talking to uh, former players, writers, guys with a different perspective from the game. And I think that was really special. And honestly, applause to Zach really quick for getting that put together for us because, Zach, you were the one who DM'd him. So, Zach, really, good job, buddy. That was a really nice interview that we could get Ron on the show. Yeah, big ups, Zach. Big ups. That's all on you, buddy. Thank you. Very good job. So, to conclude tonight, uh, Zach has a special story for you all, something that's close to his heart, and I really wanted to, to give him a platform to discuss it. And the podcast is one of the best. So, uh, Zach, fill us in on your heartfelt night at the Garden during their Hockey Fights Cancer Night and explain just how much it meant to you and your family. So, uh, for the people who have been following uh, me on Twitter know that uh, I've been dealing with some uh, sickness in the family. My mom was... Uh, was sick uh, for a little bit 
And, uh, you know, I kind of put it on Twitter that, you know, she hadn't been to a game in a while and that there's anything that uh, the Rangers could do to make it an unforgettable evening, it would be much appreciated. Uh, fortunately, because of being a part of Forever Blue Shirts and being a lunatic Rangers fan that is constantly on Twitter, um, I have some uh, some followers with ties to the team. Um, and fortunately, through uh, their retweeting and liking and, and sharing the post, uh, the right people saw it, one of whom was John Rosasco, the team's uh, head of PR. And he reached out to me and we kind of went back and forth a little bit. You know, he asked me what I wanted, if I had anything in mind. I said, I really didn't have anything in mind. I was just, you know, putting it on Twitter and hoping to see what would happen. So uh, I didn't hear from him again, but he, uh, one of his associates got in touch with me and uh, she said, she told us, you know, what to do. Uh, about midway through the third period, uh, someone from the from the Rangers front office came over and uh, kind of sat with us, explained to us what was going to happen. And at, uh, at the end of the game, we went uh, we went down to the locker room area. Uh, we didn't go in right away because the uh, the people that actually have to be down there had jobs to do in in the media. But uh, waited till the media cleared out, and then we were escorted into the locker room to meet uh, Henrik Lundqvist and Matt Zuccarello, which was, which are my mom's two favorite players. But uh, aside from that, it was just really cool being in the locker room, and and you know seeing two of of two icons really of the last fifteen years with Lundqvist and the last uh, eight or so years in Zuccarello. Uh, Leah Anderson was in there also. He was finishing up uh, an interview with one of the Swedish outlets. Um, Mika Zabanjad was in there for a little bit, but he had to run out. So that was, that was our night. It was beyond anything I would have imagined. The only thing that would have made it better was, would have been to actually go on the garden nights, but I, you know, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was beyond amazing, and it's something that I know I will never forget. My mom will never forget. Uh, she got autographs from uh, the guys, from the players. I didn't. Uh, I already have their autographs. I told them, and it was it was really her night, and it was it was uh, it was truly amazing. Zach, and I think I speak for all of us here, all of us that know you, everyone on the team, and, you know, every, just everybody. We're so glad that your mom is healthy and that she beat it, bro. Like, we really are. It's one of those things. It's Hockey does great things for people, but, you know, it's so great to hear when something like that happens and people pull through. So we couldn't be more happy that your family is doing well, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. It's so, so good to hear, man. And You know, it, it's nice to see that – you know, the hockey community, big or small, can come together in times like this. And it just really shines through, not only through the people that supported you and, you know, through the courage of your family member, but also, you know, the New York Rangers for doing right by their fans. So just a wonderful situation all around, and we're all really happy for you. Thank, thank yeah. you, boys. I appreciate it. 
Hockey does great things. It's one of the reasons why we love this game. You know, they're, they're one of the most supportive sports. The athletes are all great. All the organizations do such great things for the for the fans and for whatever cause they might be trying to help out. So special, really special thank you to John Rosacco and the New York Rangers for giving Zach and, and his mom a night they will both never forget. And with that, boys, it was a pleasure doing the show with you guys today. Special episode, two podcasts in a week. I love it, though. Uh, we'll be back uh, on our normal two-week cycle uh, with the next episode. This is, once again, I'm Russell, joined by Zach and John Luke. Everyone, let's hope by the time you're listening to this, we're enjoying another Rangers win over the Ottawa Senators. Enjoy the game, everyone, and we'll talk to you all in two weeks. And one more time, special thank you to Ron Duguay. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>